Hi. I'm really excited to be up here. Um, it is uh, quite a thrill. I have felt um, a lot of joy and excitement as I prepared. And um, so, kids, I know you're used to being downstairs, and I know you're used to being able to do things with your hands and coloring and drawing, and I know you like stickers, and I know you like drawing tools. So I have on the front edge of the stage here for you to come up and get yourself, or you can sit up here with it on the floor. There's, um, I think I can walk in front of this without it ringing. Um, There are coloring pages that are based on our story today. I'm going to teach you guys a little bit about Daniel. And there are stickers. And then around the outside of this paper, can you guys see that big bold square around it? There's space for stickers. Now, there's some instructions for the stickers because I'm also a rule-following person. So there are boundaries to your drawing page. Every time you hear me say the word Daniel, the name Daniel, there's enough stickers to stick a sticker around the outside. Don't be shy, Azariah. You ha- and there's lap desks. So if you guys, moms and dads, want to come and get the lap desks with your kids, now's a great time to do that. There's lots of coloring tools, lots of stickers. I think I opened up enough. Maybe I didn't. There's coloring pencils. There's coloring uh, crayons. Don't be shy. Get as many as you think you need. We have lots. And while they're grabbing their tools... Grown-ups, I don't have any jokes. I'm, I'm not really a joke teller. Great. I do have um, my notes written down because I tend to get squirrely and distracted. The paper's down there. Grandpa's got it for you. You going to get one, Abby? Yes, please do. And admittedly, I have no idea how many times I'm going to say the name Daniel. Daniel. So let's see how many times I actually say the name Daniel by the stickers that go around the boundary of your paper. It is your dad's name, but it's also the name of the man that we're going to talk about today in our story. All right. So uh, as soon as the kids get all of their drawing tools and stickers... We're going to get started. Um, I am a participatory person. So what that means to my brain is when, um, when I say something like, what do you think about that? It would be really cool if you said something back. <laughs> so that I know I'm not alone up here. That's okay. You can get a new one. It'll wash, bud. Was it an accident? Let's get you a new piece of paper. Here, you can have a new piece of paper. That's okay. We'll clean it up later. Don't worry about it, bud. Let's clean it up. There's an accident. Okay, so um, before I begin, um, I should introduce myself. Uh, My name is Natalia Catlett, and thank you. Um, For the last 105 years, thank you, Linda. Yep. Um, I have uh, been a part of children's ministry, which has been a huge blessing to um, my family and myself, and 
Um, but then this, and Kairos, thank you guys. Um, but the Lord kind of put it on my heart that it was time to shift gears. And so uh, here we find ourselves shifting gears, and I don't know what that looks like. So thank you for your grace as we walk this out. Um, that is not to say that I'll be up here regularly. We'll just wait that out and see what Matt thinks. Okay, uh, so I've been studying a lot about um, a lot of things. I'm a bit of a history nerd. I really, really love biblical history. I love to dig into the Old Testament and um, see what the Word says and dig really deep um, and figure out what makes what makes history what it is. I also really love missionary stories. Um, in fact, I just finished God Smuggler. Anybody familiar with God Smuggler, Brother Andrew? Yes. This man served on the mission field smuggling Bibles for 60 years into communist countries. Amazing, amazing story. So um, he was pretty courageous, and he knew that the Lord would provide everything. He was a very poor man, um, a very... Uh, he didn't finish school, so he was slightly uneducated, but he very much felt the call to do something a little bit um, dangerous. And so um, while this isn't dangerous for me, uh, it is outside my comfort zone a little bit. And so here I stand. Uh, as Brother Andrew says, we are called to change the world so that every Christian has enough liberty to worship according to the Bible. Brother Andrew goes on to say, we don't deserve our freedom. We have it by God's grace for a purpose, to care for and strengthen other members of the body of Christ who are suffering. So with that being said, I do believe I have a gift to teach. So when Matt asked me to share, I got really excited. I've been teaching my kids. Um, We've been homeschooling them for um, 10 years. This will be our 11th year in the fall. And um, I really, really love teaching. I teach uh, kids as young as, well, your three-year-olds, and all the way up into some young adults. I have some 22-year-old students. Yeah, it's very, very cool. Um, But for today, you're all younger than me. (laughs) Because that's going to help my brain think that I'm teaching, okay? Uh, So, kids, you have your stickers? Fantastic. How many times have I said Daniel? Daniel? Four, we're up to four, maybe 15, not really sure. Great. Okay, so today I'm going to call this In the Lion's Den. Um, And we're going to be in the book of Daniel. We're going to actually get into the word. Um, And let's go ahead and pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord God, that every single word in here is an instruction to our lives and to our hearts. And we just pray, Lord God, for your words to be my words, God. I pray that... Um, every single thing that would be said would be what you would want me to say. And even if my notes are not what you wanted me to say, that I would not feel nervous about ignoring them, that I would just lead, that you would lead me, Lord, and um, bring us into a common understanding of what it is you want us to learn. In your name, Jesus, I pray. Amen. Okay, so a little backstory. Um, Daniel is not chronological. And so by chronological, that means like one and then two. And then what comes after two? Right. So it's not written in chronological order. So Daniel is actually thematic, meaning that there are certain themes and certain orders um, to it. So you need a little bit of backstory. Um, Daniel was living in the region of Judah, and this was when he was a little boy. So he would have probably been about um, Azariah's age, between Azariah and um, Henry, somewhere in this area most likely. And he was um, kidnapped, okay? So... um, before that, 
you can recall God's people were in slavery in Egypt, and God delivered them through Moses. God's people wandered through the desert for 40 years. They entered the promised land. They prospered. They multiplied. Eventually, um, while they were in the promised land, they began to see the other nations around them, and they said, oh, give us a king. Give us a king. And God's like, no. And they keep begging, give us a king. So God does that, even though he knows it's not what's best for them, and he gives them a king. Um, Saul is declared the first king of Judah. Now, if you'll recall, Saul messes up really bad, constantly. And eventually, David becomes the king. Now, that's not Daniel. That's David. Okay, kids? Um, So David becomes the king. He's a good king. He does good things, but he also does some bad things. Um, And the people are still looking to their earthly king for their moral compass. This is wrong. Okay? So when we look to um, earthly kings, earthly leaders we find ourselves often lost because we're all messed up. We're all going to fall. So anyway, uh, David then has a son. And if you'll recall, his name is Solomon. And Solomon was a... Very good. Very good. Solomon was a wise king, and he reigned for many decades. But again, messes up. He lets his heart wander. And you can read about um, his history in 2 Chronicles chapters 10 through 36, but I'm not going to do that. Um, But we are going to turn to 2 Chronicles um, chapter 36, if you would please. And I have cheated and put some place markers in there, so I'm faster to get to it. Um, so we're going to read Second uh, Chronicles chapter 36, and we're going to begin at verse 5. Um, so we're fast forward. This is after David. This is uh, before Daniel, but after David, okay? Um, hey, bud. How's it going? Okay, so we have here Jehoiakim, which I don't know how to pronounce that perfectly, but we're going to go with it. Jehoiakim was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 11 years. Jehoiakim did evil in the eyes of the Lord his God. Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, attacked him and bound him with bronze shackles to take him to Babylon. Nebuchadnezzar also took to Babylon articles from the temple of the Lord and put them in his temple there. Okay, so Jehoiakim was the king over Judah when Daniel was a boy. There's the name Daniel again. How many times did I just say it? 732. Excellent. Okay, so um, Daniel is a little boy, and Jehoiakim is his king. And uh, this is when we find ourselves in Daniel. Uh, So we're going to flip over to Daniel. Thank you, Jason. Jason's counting out loud, so if you're following along with Jason on the side over here, you're, you're up with him. Okay, so we're going to read uh, Daniel chapter 1, verse 1, and verse 6. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. Then we're going to jump down to verse 6. I'm only skipping because there's just a lot here, and you don't need to hear me read all morning long. Among these were some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Okay, so you're like, okay, so how does this matter? So all of these young people were taken captive by Nebuchadnezzar, taken out of Judah, and transplanted over into Babylon, okay? Um, We read on in Daniel that these young people are fed really well from the king's table. They're trained in the language and the literature of the Babylonians. These young people are even prepared to enter the king's service. So Daniel and his very closest friends, Mishael, Hananiah, and Azariah, resolved in their hearts to honor God by worshiping only him with their body and their mind. 
That includes their service to the king of Babylon, even though they're going to only worship God. So the word tells us in the second half a lot of um, in the second half of Daniel a lot of the things that God revealed to Daniel um, and and the way he spoke directly to the Lord and translates some things um, and we'll get to that so that's the thematic piece okay so um, Daniel Daniel's like a part of these all these people so there's a lot of people that um, get taken into captivity from Judah and transplanted to Babylon so really. A large amount of people. There's a lot of God's stuff, and it's all transplanted. And um, Daniel says, guys, we worship the one true king. And so he gets brave, and I believe he gets all of his buddies alongside him, and then he says to them, we need to not do whatever they're wanting us to do if it's going to jeopardize our calling. So he speaks directly. Daniel is courageous, and he speaks directly to the guards who are assigned to them, and he asks that they be fed vegetables and water and then test their appearance. This isn't to test God. This is to test their faith. This is a testing of their faith, okay? So then, of course, we read on in Daniel that um, these young men looked better than those others who were taken captive, and the word tells us... um, that God had given these four young men knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning, and Daniel could understand visions and dreams. And you can read that in Daniel chapter 1, verse 17. So keep in mind, he is still serving the king. Daniel serves the king, but he worships only God. Okay, So he um, serves faithfully for about 70 years. So um, you have to kind of look at the um, Old Testament chronicle books um, and the kings to see exactly how long. You have to do some alignment of um, the timelines, but you can approximate it to about 70 years. So Daniel serves approximately three kings and approximately 70 years. Um, And among the things that Daniel was good at, likely he was good at administration, meaning he understood numbers, he understood people. More than likely, he understood more than he should have understood because he was taken into captivity. He was a slave. Um, But God blessed him with a lot of gifts and talents. And so he decided that his spiritual act of service was to make God famous, to use his talents for leadership, to lead his friends, to lead the others who were in captivity, I believe, um, to know God. Not just to serve the king, but to know God. So I see Daniel as a shepherd. And a shepherd is a leader, somebody who comes alongside and, and brings you, you know, where you're supposed to go and guides you and directs you, um, but with a connectivity to the king, okay? Uh, so fast forward, we're going to flip over to chapter 5 uh, in Daniel. So in the lion's den, we find ourselves um, with King Darius. So King Darius is the king at this time in chapter 5. Um, and he, the word tells us in chapter five, verse 31, that Darius was 62. So if you're doing the math, that means that Daniel was probably about 80 about. Okay. So if Daniel is about 80 and his King is about 62, more than likely Darius looked to Daniel for some administrative assistance, more than likely he looked to him for some counsel, for some guidance they would have spent. A lot of time together. They would have been hanging out together because the word tells us that Darius appoints Daniel to be one of only three administrators in his kingdom. 
Only three out of all the people that he could have chosen. Then he chooses 120 satraps. And a satrap is basically like a governor, okay? It's like a, yeah, like a governor, okay? Um, But these satraps did not like Daniel. And we can see that they didn't like Daniel because of what they did. They tried to sabotage Daniel. So they get together to bring a a plan to the king. And uh, they say to the king, hey, Daniel is this dude who's like, worshiping this other king, and you should throw him in the lion's den. Wouldn't that be great? And the king is like, okay. It's ridiculous, right? These guys have been hanging out together. And then the king, King Darius, he's like, okay. So, um, kids, have you ever been on the playground where you're hanging out with uh, your buddies, they're about your age, and you're doing really cool things, and you're jumping rope, and maybe you're climbing on the monkey bars. Does anybody do that? Monkey bars? Yeah? Yes? Okay. Yes? You don't have to be a kid to climb monkey bars. Thank you, Ben. Okay. So imagine, imagine if you will, that you are playing on the monkey bars, and some teenager comes up, and they're like, I can do it better than you. But they can't. Okay? And so it's your job to humbly go over to him and say something like, hey, man, you want some help with that? And so you can, as a little person, as a kid, you can come up to them and you can help them. They don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be afraid of them. They don't have to be scary just because you're younger than them. Because here we find in the word that Daniel was younger than Darius. Okay? Uh, let's see. Okay, so let's jump back to Daniel. So when the leaders tell uh, the king that Daniel is breaking the rules, um, this, this breaks the, the king's heart eventually once he realizes the error of his ways. So let's jump to chapter 6, verse 18. So this is after um, the, the, the leaders, they throw Daniel into the lion's den. Now this is not like, Hey, let's lower him down gently into the lion's den. This is, uh, the verb means to actively throw, like, right, okay? So he gets thrown into the lion's den, and the king realizes, the Bible here tells us, the king returned to his palace and spent the night without eating and without entertainment being brought to him. He could not sleep. So this tells us that he understood in his spirit that he was wrong. He made a mistake. He felt bad about it. But because a Babylonian king's word is what it is, he can't go back on it. He has to execute his plan. He can't change his mind. So he spends all night basically he's fasting. He doesn't realize he's fasting, but he's fasting. Okay. And if you've ever fasted and prayed, you understand that your um, spirit connects more closely to the Lord when you do that. Now, so we have here. Oh, I want to tell you about this. This is really cool. So in my research, the land of Babylon um, was not likely to have been a land that had natural caves. Okay, so it's not like you're thinking, you know, there's this cliff and you're going to crawl into this beautiful cave and it's just going to be a majestic thing. It's not like that. So the land of Babylon was located between the Tigris and the Euphrates River and uh, it's like a flat plain. Okay, so if you dig, you're going to find water. 
So a traditional cave in Babylon would have been built out of bricks, much like the rest of the city. And so this was a cave that was designed specifically to hold lions who were not native to being held in a den. So they would have been in this uh, cave, and their whole purpose was to destroy anything that went into it. It was for sport. So a lot of Babylonian leaders, the kings, they held these lions captive, and it was entertainment to watch these lions destroy a human. So that's the kind of king Daniel is serving. Keep that in mind. Okay, so let's go back to the king. Um, Throwing Daniel into the cave. Now we're in the cave, and this cave had a stone covering on it, and the Bible tells us that it was filled with lions who, quote, overpowered and crushed the bones overpowered and crushed the bones before they even reached the floor of the den. So it's like me throwing my water bottle. You ready for this? And they would be destroyed before a second bounce. Totally destroyed. Okay? So in chapter 6, verses um, 20, and let's just start at 20. Uh, No, let's start at 19. At the first light of dawn, the king gets up, And he hurried to the lion's den. When he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice. And I don't know what your version, what version you guys are reading from, um, but in my NIV, it says anguished voice. And so in my my mind, I imagine it's something um, very guttural, very um, intense, very impassioned. And he says to him, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, has he been able to rescue you from the lions? And I believe Daniel probably responded something like, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel. He shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight. Nor have I ever done any wrong before you, O king. So Daniel is able to serve the king and worship God in the same way, in the same day, not same way, in the same day, all at the same time. So he's not jeopardizing his integrity as a child of God in order to do his job, okay? So we think often about, um, you know, what we, what we experience, our lion's den. So what is a lion's den? What would that look like? Uh, It might be something that you found yourself in that maybe you and something you chose to do kind of aligned you with that. Um, Something that uh, someone that you work for, they did, and you by proxy have now found yourself in a lion's den. Okay, So we have some things that I believe we can learn from Daniel in the lion's den. Um, I think I have two. Yes, I have two. Uh, things that I believe that we can learn from Daniel. The first thing I believe we learn from Daniel in his ability to overcome the lion's den is because of his life of worship. He understood at a very young age God's power. He understood that his life was always in the hands of the Holy One of God. He faced lots of trials, lots of challenges. One, he was taken as a captive out of his homeland. It's like transplant here, Babylon. The promised land, milk, honey, beautiful land, desert, right? So that's a huge problem when you're a little boy, okay? But Daniel understood that God is eternal. He's not changing. When the world around him changed, he didn't. 
God never changed. God's faithfulness is the thing that Daniel focused on. It's God's holiness. It's God's love. He remembered all the ways that God showered him with blessings to be a blessing to others. So he always acknowledged God's power. So as a child, think about this for a second. How many kids are in the room? Raise your hand. Mm -hmm. Yes. I should see lots of hands up around the room. Mm -hmm. You have the power, Azariah. Azariah, you have the power to influence people in your life for God's goodness. You do. Okay? God says you are his child. Yes, Kai, you do. You have the power to influence. I know that you do it on a regular basis with your neighbor. And that's good. God is so proud of you for doing that. You guys have a natural joy in you. If, you. if you have ever told a joke, moms, dads, grandparents, it's not really funny, and you look at a child sideways, what are they going to do? They're going to laugh because that's just in them. They're joy-filled, right? So if you like to tell jokes, kids, tell those jokes and laugh at your own jokes. If you like to dance, 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 please dance, and smile while you're dancing. Yes, jump jump for the Lord. That's so good. And then while you're doing it, you are spreading God's love and his holiness just by being you. Okay. Now grownups, this is something we can do too. It's a little harder. I get that. So I'll tell you an example of this in my life. So, um, for 14 years now, I have been a stay at home mom. I lost my job 14 years ago. Uh, I got fired through some circumstances of my own my own lion's den. Okay. Um, I have a mouth. Uh-huh. So, um, I didn't say anything inappropriate. I just basically, I worked in this billing company in this billing department at this company. And there was a lady in our department who wasn't doing what I thought she should be doing. So I basically set her up to fail. I got fired. Okay. I got fired. I've been home ever since. Okay. Now I always envisioned myself as a, a working mom. My mom worked, my grandma worked. We all had jobs. Everybody worked. Okay. Um, so I'm not working and I'm staying at home and I'm thinking, man, this is rough, right? It's harder than I thought it was going to be. Um, so anyway, fast forward, uh, Jason and I realized that, um, uh, it was the reason I got fired was because I had set myself up to put this job higher than the Lord. Okay. So I put my job, my identity in my job rather than in the God who provides in Jehovah Jireh. So through this, God has continually reminded me that he is our family's source of provision. And Jason and I have some really cool stories, but I'm not going to put all of them in here um, because we'd be here all day and food downstairs would be cold or hot, depending on what it was. Okay. Uh, so, um, he has continued to remind me that he is our source of provision. It is God who provides. So me being at home, uh, staying at home is not to discount working, uh, moms who work, women who work by any means, because now fast forward, um, I am working. And I believe that the reason I have this job again, these jobs is because it's now about God. Okay. So, um, I going to flip over to Second Timothy, I'm going to put my bookmark back in here. Um, we're going to flip over to Second Timothy chapter 2, and uh, we're going to read from verse 15. 
It says, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. So I looked at that through a different filter working um, in the jobs that I do now. So once I realized that my gift is to teach, um, it was literally a door that flung wide open. Um, And I have been teaching at this school now. This fall will be my 11th year teaching um, because I understood my, uh, my gift, my calling, if you will. Okay? And so that's really important to us that we need to understand our gifts and our calling. Because that's where the Lord is going to be blessed greatly. Um, he'll be blessed regardless of what you choose to do. Let me just make that very clear. Um, however, it's so much more fun when you are doing the work that God has called you to do. I have directed more plays, more musicals, taught more than 250 students because I'm finally in the place where I find joy in my work. Now, if you're not finding joy in your work, this might be an opportunity to sit before the Lord and go, hey, God, this is boring. This is boring. He doesn't want you to be bored, guys. He doesn't want us to be bored. He wants us to have fun in the work we're doing. Now, that isn't to say it isn't going to be hard. That's not the same thing, right? It's okay to have hard work, but it's not okay to begrudge your work, okay? That might mean that it's a chance to sit before the Lord and say, hey, God, what's going on? Okay, so I believe the second thing that we can learn from Daniel is that he learned about himself in the den. He learned about his relationship with God. Over his life, he had practiced faithful obedience over decades of servitude to kings. Anybody else spend decades working for kings? Bosses that feel like kings? Uh Uh-huh. Michelle? Mm Mm-hmm. Right? You understand what his heart was like. These Babylonian kings let lions destroy humans for fun. And this is the king that Daniel is serving. So this is, he's willing to do it because he understood his calling. God had placed him there. He took faithful steps in the same direction without jeopardizing his identity. Hi. Rawr. As a lion. Exactly. He found himself in the lion's den, you guys. He did. So Daniel, he takes a step a day. A, he, I believe, anybody read a long obedience in the same direction? Has anybody ever read that? Yes. Okay. So this is his long obedience in the same direction. It's really cool because the title is actually taken from an atheist's poem, but it's a biblical story. It's a book that you should look it up. Anyway, I won't go into that um, squirrel. Um, So what does this look like? What does your long obedience look like? What does my long obedience look like? Kids, if you're in school, this long obedience looks like going to school, learning to read. I'm looking at you, Tucker. Learning to do your schoolwork. He can read. For the record, he can read. (laughs) But doing your school, it looks like honoring your parents. When mom says, did you do your chores? And if you say no... That's, and that's your honest answer. Let your answer be honest. Don't lie. That's right. You don't want to, um, kids, you don't want to say yes if the answer is truly no. 
If your mom says, hey, did you do your chores? And your answer is really no. (sighs) Take a deep breath. No, mom, I didn't. And that gives your mom a chance to walk this out in the honoring of the Lord to say, okay, I asked you to do it. You didn't do it. And now mom gets to walk it out in self-control. Right? Moms. Okay. So just because the lion's den is disobedience doesn't mean it's a chance for you to fly off the handle. I've been there. I have been there. I have flown off many a handle. And, and walking this out is a sanctification process that says, okay, here's the lion's den. And if we can recognize it as the lion's den, but we've walked it out with the Lord and we've said one step after another step, and we can faithfully say, God is who God says he is, then we can more easily say, I can do this. I can walk in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Oh, I believe God allowed that one to be the last one because it's the hardest. Anybody? Am I the only one that self-control is hardest for? Okay, good. Thank you, Angie. Mm-hmm. Self-control is hard, guys. And it's okay that it's hard. It's a long obedience in the same direction. Daniel served under three separate kings in Babylon faithfully, long obedience in the same direction. And that's okay. Okay. So fast forward, we're going to go back to the word here. I'm going to put this note aside because I think I tangented. Oh no, I didn't. We're good. So kids, if this is you and this looks like, um, we're going to jump back to the kids for a second. Can you stand up for me, kids? All the children put your hands up in the air. Hands up in the sky. Have you ever seen those um, little um, those little things on the side of the road that have the little fans inside them? Yeah, and they just kind of okay. This is you for a second. I need you to stand up. Mm-hmm. You're gonna stand up. Great, thank you. And then we're gonna turn our fans on. Turn your fan on. Okay, turn your fan off. Sit down. Turn your fan back on. Mm-hmm. Great, and turn your fan off. Fantastic. You guys just found yourselves in a lion's den. Maybe you didn't want to do what I asked you to do, but you did it anyway. You did it anyway. You faithfully stepped in the same direction that I asked you to step in. So good job. Thank you. Okay. I have something else that I want to do. I need three kids. No, let's go with four kids. I need the first four hands that come up. Kai, Zariah, Azariah, and Prince. There's three Come on down, Jordan. There's four. Okay. Oh, I counted five. That's all right. We'll go with five. I like it. Five is good. Five's a good number. Five is grace. I love it. All right. I'm going to put this down for a second. All right, Benny. Here's yours. You're going to have to put your pencil down, bud. Trade your pencil. All right. I need your pencil. I'll give it back. I promise. Yes. I love it. Anybody else? Come on. Let's go. It's going to be great. Okay, moms and dads, grandparents, I know you're like, what is going on? This is anarchy. It kind of is. That's all right. Here, you want this? You want to hold on to that? Okay, you guys, hold on to your papers. Are you coming up? Augustus, are you coming up? Great. All right, so the Bible tells us that um, Daniel was thrown into the lion's den, and he was what? Spared, right? Daniel was spared. Okay, stay up here for a second. Don't go anywhere. You guys ready? We're going to do something really, really cool. Here, you need these papers. 
All right, at the count of, this is where you guys come into play. I'm going to need your help. I need you to count to five. And then at five, you guys are going to throw all your papers up in the air, and then you're going to try to catch all of them before they hit the ground. Are you ready? Okay, congregation, are you ready? Throw them up in the air. Catch them, catch them, catch them. Did you guys catch them all? Did you catch them all? It looks like there's some on the ground. Do you guys see there's papers on the ground? Okay, you can have those papers. You did catch all of yours? I'm not sure you did. I think you missed one. No, I just dropped Oh, you just dropped it. You did so good, Ty. You did so good. Okay, don't fall off the stage. All right, guys. Thank you for your help. You can take your little yellow squares. Yes. Look, they gave you an applause. Awesome. Go back that way. Thank you guys for your help. You, yes, you absolutely may. They are yours to keep. Okay, so what that demonstrates is the challenge that the lions had to collect and destroy before Daniel hit the ground. Now, it didn't happen to Daniel Daniel wasn't destroyed, but we read later, I got to flip back to Daniel here. So we read later in Daniel, chapter six here, verse 24, because mind you, once Daniel came out of his lion's den, let's go back to Daniel. Once Daniel was out of his lion's den and the king was like, Oh, Daniel, I'm sorry. I'm the worst king ever. These aren't his words, of course. This isn't exactly what he says. But Darius realized the error of his ways. And Darius was like, everybody must now worship the one true God. Daniel's one true God. How many Daniels are we up to? 65? Okay, fantastic. So once Darius realized Daniel's God is the one true God, he commands everybody to worship him. Now, this is... Again, anarchy, okay? Nobody should ever command us. We get to choose. We get to wake up every day. We get to choose to honor the Lord with our choices. So that was Babylonian people and they're sideways. So we have here in the word, at the king's command, the men who had falsely accused Daniel were brought in and thrown into the lion's den along with their wives, along with their children. Okay, this is, this is a hard thing for us to sometimes wrap our minds around. The leader of the household has so much clout um, over their family. And, and so this is your calling. This is our calling to lead our families well. But they were thrown into the lion's den. And the Bible tells us before they reached the floor of the den... The lions overpowered them and crushed all of their bones. The same lions who didn't touch Daniel. And it wasn't Daniel. Guys, he's still human. It was God. It was the truth of the one true God and his relationship to worship the one true God. So he understood it. He understood his calling. He understood God's eternalness. Okay? So we need to ask ourselves, we have a couple of questions we get to ask ourselves. Has God changed? Does our lion's den sometimes feel like God has changed? For me, it does. I have had six 
really crummy cars over my life. Really crummy cars, you guys. First car I bought was a Dodge or a Ford Bronco, and it was a really crummy car. I bought it at an auction. Anybody ever buy cars at an auction? Mm. Okay, so I bought a lot of crummy cars over my life and found myself dead on the side of the road more times than I care to admit. And used to, I would complain and I would begrudge it and I would feel like, oh, this is the world's worst. I can't believe this is happening to me again. Lion's den, lion's den. And it was the lion's den mentality as opposed to saying, okay, God, what am I supposed to be aligning myself with you about? So this most recent incident happened in my uh, Ford Focus. Normally Jason drives it, but this particular day I had driven it. Um, Reagan and I were taking one of her friends home and the car overheated. Lion's den. Found myself in a lion's den, guys. The car overheated. The whole dashboard is this Christmas tree of colors and I'm freaking out. Fortunately, I've driven a lot of crummy cars, so I knew what to do. Get off the road. So I pull off the road and I park and I let it cool off. I call Jason. Hey, babe, car's cotton hot. Sucks. So Jason has to come and rescue us. But in the meantime, keep in mind, I have two 14-year-old girls in my car. So I can either throw a tantrum, which is what my 14-year-old self would have done, or I can say, okay, girls, when your car overheats, this is how you do it. Not if your car overheats. When? Because <laughs> you might be driving crummy cars like me someday and your car might overheat a little bit. So instead of feeling like the lion's den is overtaking me and I'm going to be thrown in there and I'm going to be destroyed, I was able to say, okay, girls, this is what you do. So find yourself in a safe spot and deal with your car. Okay. So has God changed? Very good. No, God doesn't change. God is still eternal. The situations in your life don't change God. They change your posture before God. They give us an opportunity to say, okay, God, this is temporal. This is temporal. God is eternal. So the second question is, who am I? I believe the second question when we find ourselves in a lion's den is, who am I? Where do I fall? Is my relationship with God, is it there? Am I walking with God? Am I resting in my relationship with God? Okay. Who am I and what do I need to do? Am I in prayer? Am I in worship? Am I spending time in meditation? Am I being faithful in the work the Lord has given me? Now, it isn't to put the work above the relationship. First, it's who I am. And it's what I am that allows me to do the things that I do. Because I believe that for me, whenever I was uh, working, I had a job that I didn't love. Okay, and I got fired. But once I realized who I am in Christ, I was able to do the work that I love to do with joy. Okay, so we get to ask ourselves on a regular basis when we find ourselves in a lion's den, who is God and who am I? It's really simple, but it's not easy, right? It's not easy. So uh, keeping those questions in the back of your mind as you think about your lion's den that you find yourself in. Um, and let's, let's just take this to the Lord in prayer. And um, yeah, find ourselves with the Lord for a second. Father God, we thank you so much for the life that you have allowed us to live. We are so grateful to, 
to you for um, giving us your word, for giving us the truth of your word, for giving us historical examples of godly men and women who seek to honor you with the gifts and talents that you have allowed them to have. God, we pray that you would help us experience your goodness, to experience your presence, Father. To experience your presence, Father, as we go about living our lives. And when we find ourselves in a lion's den, help us, Lord God, to remember that you are able. You are greater. You are faithful. God, that you would strengthen us in our times of lion's dens. That you would strengthen us so that we can be a blessing to others. We ask you, Lord God, for all of this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.